Rosie gets the number one in the world, wins the FedEx Cup. What do you attribute your depression to at that time? What have you learned since then? Hey, welcome back. Welcome aboard another Far Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got Matt Cermak with me. What's up, Ev? Good to be back. Good to be back. One of the game's best coaches for the second time on the show, Sean Foley. We'll get to him in a second, but first... If your golf game's off the rails, if you're sick around the struggle bus, you come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We unpack the mental game with PJ Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, everyday golfers, performance coaches like Sean Foley today, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of the part train is presented by Roback Activewear. We basically have oh, yeah. the uniform on right now. I've got the hoodie and joggers on. Cermak's got his polo and Q-zip. That's how yeah, we always do Ch- it. This is the Chicago polo, too. It's Guys, and they just released some new Mardi Gras polos. This- I'd say that the thing I want to say this week, we talk about every week, but I'll give you something new. Hey, I don't think any activewear brand releases more new styles and designs and products as fast and as many times a year as Roback does. It's basically every week they come out with new stuff. So go to Roback.com, awesome. enter the code TRAIN, Get 15% off. If you forget the code, click the link in our bio on Instagram at the par train. Tap that link. It'll auto apply in your cart. If you don't get the discount, it means you probably used it before. So but use your what wife's email. <laughs> use your wife's email. Create yes. a new one. Use your son, daughter's email that you reserved for them. Do whatever you have to do. Their college email, .edu. Do use it. them all and get your <laughs> discount because you deserve it. Okay. You didn't hear it from us. Okay. Uh, this week on the par train, we've got Sean Foley, one of the best swing performance coaches in the game. One of my favorite people in the game. He's such a brilliant, thoughtful guy. He says things that nobody else says. And we had him on the show for the second time. We had him three years ago, almost to the day. And I'm just going to say this with Sean. He's such a thoughtful and spiritual guy which is what I connect with too. I love going deep and going inward and all that stuff. Sean loves talking about that stuff too. And I think that's probably why he appreciates our show, but that means we also go on tangents. So I'll say to you, the listener, stick with us. We're going to go on some tangents, but it all comes full circle at the end. And if you're interested in his new training aid, which he's never done one before, there's like 15 tour pros using it for free. They're not paying them on tour. There's never really been a training aid that tour pros use if you think about it it's always been training aids that people sell right. to amateurs you think about infomercials right right but to think but about in, a training aid that get, the pros get use always the next best training aid right yeah yeah so at the very end we kind of dig in on that and sean you should stay to the end because sean basically helps me prioritize what i need to work on which i think yes. a lot of golfers struggle with like i know i stand up my posture i know i roll it inside what is the one thing that'll give me the best results? What do I need to focus on? What's making the biggest impact on my ball striking? And Sean answers that at the end. Absolutely. No, what stuck I, out to you? First off, Sean, just he's such a great guy. He's so intentional. Like I don't think there's a moment in the day where he fakes it, right? Whether he's having a conversation, he's giving a lesson. And then that gets back to your point about his passion, just to talk about these ideas, these concepts, the game of golf, life, the mental game, but he doesn't like the word mental. We get into that a little bit. You know, I've been working with the pro sender in the apartment, haven't got a chance to hit balls with it, but it's brilliant. 
it's all about training the hands and the wrists to get in the right positions to set you up in the downswing. So you don't have to do as much manipulation. So we definitely get into that. I think we're gonna have to cut some video. Ev. I mean, he's at Isleworth at the patio at Isleworth, basically given, you know, motions and swing, swing, lesson, yeah. swing lessons to us with the pro sender on awesome episode. There's so much in here. You know, we, we, we do some tour talk as well. And this is the thing guys. And he talks about this too. Is like, he's not a device guy. He doesn't just make train aids. He's never had never been a part of a train aid because he didn't really necessarily believe in them. But boy, yeah. he took the time with this, with David Woods. There's a reason why 17 tour pros are using it already in the first few weeks. So yeah. fantastic episode. Well, guys, as always, we appreciate you hopping aboard the train. It means a lot. If we've added any value, if Sean's added value today, give us a review at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It means a lot. And no matter how you're hitting it or where the ball's going, what do they got to do, Sean? Just enjoy the ride. Hey, guys, enjoy the ride. Take care. Thanks, guys. For the second time, Sean Foley, it is our pleasure welcome you aboard the Par Train. I know your players like birdies, but hey, you got to respect old man Par as well, so we're happy to have you on board. Yes, I like Pars. I like Pars a lot. I like middle of the green iron shots and nothing fancy. I love it. Well, we might get to that. Love it. But last time we talked, Sean, I thought this would be an interesting place to start. You said something of the fact of in 10 years, and this was like three years ago, so we're we're seven years away from this. I want to see how you're tracking. You said in 10 years, it'd be your dream if people come up to you and can't believe you were a swing coach. I want you to expand on that and see how you're tracking towards that, if that's still the dream or if the dream has changed. Yeah. I mean, it's not something I set out to like do on purpose, right? The thing is, is in the world, like in gravity and physics, Force always precedes motion. And what precedes force is intention. But what precedes intention is like purpose. And so to me, the question of like, why? Like, why am I doing this? Like, why do I do what I do for a living? I'm less concerned with how my business does and I'm more concerned with how I do my business, right? And so Hmm. I set out my intention and I set out my purpose and I wake up every day and I clock in, I clock out. I know if I work on my health and wellness, I know if I just keep showing up that these things will occur because I've already done it before with my career on the PGA Tour. So basically, one, you have to be completely adaptive to being uncomfortable and knowing that in order to grow, you got to put yourself in places where you feel ignorant and, and you, know, you got to put yourself around people who can help you to see what that next level looks like. Second, I love the golf swing. I always have, I think watching people hit golf balls at the highest level is just like art, right? It's just, it's incredible what goes into a guy hitting a three iron, 255 yards in the air to five feet. That's like (laughs) Steph Curry scoring from the parking lot, right? Yeah. That's something I'm always going to enjoy. I'll never not enjoy that. I've always enjoyed that. But I think as time goes on and you keep trying to improve yourself, which has always been the focus, I'm not trying to improve other people. I'm trying to improve myself. And I find that when I improve, like everything around me improves. And so, you know, I spent the morning with Ben on here this morning and we've got out to a pretty decent start this year. What Ben and I talk about now are way different than when we started because we picked a couple of things that we wanted to do. We wanted to get his grip a little bit stronger. It was kind of weak. He swayed more than he turned, I thought. And then, you know, up at the top, he had the club face open. So look, There's people in the Hall of Fame who did all those things. But 
there's something about the virtue of trying to be the best version of yourself. It's also risky to think that way, right? Because, you know, you're doing something well, but you want to get better. And so you might have to go through a slight ugly zone for a while. I think one of the real keys overall of success is delayed gratification. It's not instant gratification, right? So there's a certain type of grass in Southeast Asia that I think it's a form of bamboo. And I don't have the math completely right. But I think it takes like two years to grow four inches. And then in the next two months, it grows like eight feet. Wow. And so the nucleus of the cell, the amount (laughs) of nutrients, water, the atoms, just the way that it is, overnight, it becomes massive. And I think that a lot of people when they're trying to be successful, and when I say successful, I'm, I'm not talking about materialism. I think obviously, look, you got to live and having more money makes life easier. It doesn't make life better because money can't buy love, money can't buy oxygen. All, all the best things in life are free, right? And everything else is expensive. A good quote. I think my dad said, yeah. I, my, I say that a lot. And then my dad goes, I never said that. Dude. He's like, you've been deep <laughs> since you were five years old. You probably said it when you were 10 years old or some crazy. They used to just shake their head and be like, wow, that guy's nuts. But, and, and I probably still am. I just, I just admitted and work on it, right? I want my head to hit the pillow at night and I want to fall asleep right away. And I want to sleep through the night. And then when I wake up, I want to be excited about the day ahead. That to me would be kind of highest level of success because life is hard, man. I think we're really failing these kids with how we're moving in society to where we try to avoid them having problems rather than pushing them into them. And, you know, we're going to have a generation of people with no self-esteem because they never earned anything. They just didn't grind. They didn't get through it. Yeah. I had kids bully me. I don't wake up in the middle of the night from it. I'm sure around that time, it was probably really terrible, but you know what, when I finally stepped to that kid and he did the opposite of what my dad said, and he actually punched me in the face, um, I never had to deal with them again. So, you know, you got to go through it to get to it. And, you know, wisdom comes from the adversity that we overcome. It doesn't come from not having it. So I'd rather have wisdom than knowledge. But I think that the most beautiful vision can come from having knowledge and wisdom, because I think if it's an equation, when you add those two, it equates to understanding. Yeah. And so (laughs) we got to we got to keep a quote book, Evan, of Right. I'm glad we're recording this episode. You know, I put myself around a lot of smart people and deep people. And I've, you know, I've read a lot of books. I have to sit down to read. I have to tell myself, okay, you're reading now. It, my mom, all she wants to do is read. Okay. But it, for me, it's a bit, it is actually a little bit like work, but I know what I'm looking for. And the stuff that I'm reading is not just mostly nonfiction. So you got to work through it. Yeah. And so, I've created a pretty good way, I think, of being able to remember the things that I've read is because first I read the book and then the second time I read it with a highlighter and I just highlight the main points. And sometimes there's so many on a page, the whole page is highlighted, right? And then what I do is I spend the next couple months just reading the highlighted parts. And then I really have the like nucleus or essence of the message from the author. And so I've, you know, I've been doing this for a long, long time. So I think that for me, the idea that I won't be remembered as a golf coach, I'm not sure I'll be able to do that just because of what I've accomplished. And a lot of those accomplishments come off the back of cardinal failures. And so it's really hard for me to go to my kids' sports games and see their parents yelling at them when they're failing because myself and everyone that I look up to basically say that 
we were built from our mistakes and failures. And we can't even let kids fail now because you know what, if I love all the parents who film the game and then after like a shitty play, they delete it. And then they wait for like the great play and then they post it. And I just want to tell them like, it's not even about your kid when you do that. It's just about you thinking, hey, look at my son. I'm doing a good job. Look, I'll admit to you, I'm a dad. I love my sons more than anything. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. So it's, it's very strange being a parent. You feel like a hypocrite half the time because you're telling them to do things that you do, to not do things you do. And I think it's like, all right, what is my job as a father? Unconditional love, obviously support from the physical world, help them out with college if they even go. The older one has a very good reason why he doesn't want to go, which is it's just a good reason. And to make sure they get educated. That's it. That's it. And yeah. I think that we need to understand, like, you know, our kids are not our life. We have our own lives. Our kids are part of our life. And so it sounds self-centered, but the more I focus on myself, the better father I become. The more I focus on myself, the better coach I become, the better friend I become, because when I get to that point where I have understanding and love for myself and acceptance of the fact that I'm a human being who is pre-designed to fail and learn from failing, and that I come from basically generations of ancestors who just tried to survive, as much as we're trying to thrive in life, the brain has a completely different reason. The brain's reason is survival, you know, and even these discussions that we're having of this kind of conscious level, we've probably only had the brain function to do that for like 7,000, 8,000 years. Right. So there's a lot of primate in our brain. I think if you turn on the TV and you see the news around the world and war in Ukraine, it's proof that human beings can turn into animals overnight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's always there. So you have to work very diligently and very deeply because, you know, we've been domesticated and indoctrinated by religion, by education systems, by politics. And my buddy texted me before I came on the phone with you guys. And he said, hey, I just met your friend Kyle Dubas. Kyle Dubas is the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he's the youngest GM in the history of the, of the NHL and all that. And he goes, I was surprised he was the GM. And so all I text back to him was, why did that challenge your unconscious bias of what a GM should be? And he goes, well, he was young, right? Yeah, of course. That to me is very limiting. It's like, but how much are you holding yourself back thinking that it's not your time? I think when we look at that, it's, it's that understanding of how many times in a day am I living out of my bias system and my belief system and my belief system. Look, when I was four, I didn't have a belief system, right? I wanted to sleep. I wanted to eat and I wanted to play all day. I still want to do all those three things. <laughs> and you know what I mean? as we start to try to adapt to society and to the tribe and then comparison murders us with, we got to go to this college or this college. And if we don't, we're going to fail. And we're just in this time of our life where we're supposed to be learning and making mistakes and enjoying things. And these kids have anxiety issues over whether or not they're going to get into the top university because if they don't get in the top university, then what are they going to do? And it's like, well, the richest people in the world dropped out of Harvard. So why do you want to go there? Just challenging the way we were taught, you know, Yeah. in golf as well, Evan, it's, it's the same exact kind of idea. So I feel now at this point, when I started on tour 17 years ago, and I can't even believe when I say that, like, I can't even believe that's been 17 years. It feels like it just started yesterday. But the funny thing is when you're on the road 
and people are playing like shit and it's raining, it feels like you've been out there for 200 years, right? right. Yeah. As, as long as you know you're the person responsible for both of those feelings, then you're more free, right? It's not happening from outside of you. And I think that I started as a swing coach, but I've always been like a deep kind of guy and, and I like to help people. I've been helped, so I like to pay it forward. And now I just feel like a mentor who is a swing expert. Sean, you talk a lot about challenging yourself. And that also relates to challenging your players, right? Totally. And you've worked with the best players in the world and you kind of alluded to it in previous examples. You've got a, a great player on the PGA tour who, you know, sways a little bit, who's got a weak grip and is a little open at the top. I imagine you said you guys have that conversation. Like, here's what we got to do if we want to get better in these areas. But my question for you is how do you start that process? And then how do you separate practice versus play? Because whether it's, you know, I think Cameron Champ or whoever it is, you got to go out and play too. But that's it's a tough balance when you're trying to get better. But maybe you got to go back first. I don't think you have to go back. Nothing we're going to do is going to make you worse. Look, I've already done that. I know how to do that. I've already. <laughs> I mean, how many cardinal sins are there? A guy committed right. all of them, bro. Okay, right. Even to this day, after all these years, if knowing how much goes into it and how much it takes to shoot a good score. I'm still yeah. completely postal on the weekend when my players have missed a cut because I just, it's irreprehensible. And I spend the whole weekend thinking about what I could have done better. And it normally is nothing, but that's, that's the thing is to continue to, you know, continue to look inwards and, and understand like, you know, where could you be sharper? Where could you be better? And I think where that's led me is I shouldn't really be out on tour. Okay. It's not an environment to work in. Okay. It's just not. If we want to really work and we want to get it done and get it right, we organize our off weeks to where we can really graft and really work and really get to the depth of the understanding. On the tour, it's like trying to fit four people in in a five-hour stretch. It's like right. it's almost a miracle when it even happens. So that's a different thing. I, I, I think obviously when I was younger, man, I loved being on tour. I love seeing the best players in the world. I love the whole thing. And I still do, but I'm lying to myself if I would tell you that the experience is as, as abundant as it used to be. Coaching is, the way I'm doing it is what is evolving. I want to dig in. You kind of alluded to it. We talked about this on the phone a little bit. Feel free to go into it as much as you feel comfortable. But identity is an interesting thing because not everybody can relate to being a swing coach and performance coach on the PGA Tour with the best players in the world. Not many people can. But you know what people can identify with and relate to is changing how they feel about themselves based on the external things that happen to them, whether that's a golf shot, whether that's a score, whether that's at work. And I know for you, like you've gotten three players back to number one, and then those relationships can end. And I know that that's a tough thing as a coach that cares about your people. Maybe speak about that a bit so that someone listening that identifies with something that went wrong in their job or after a double bogey, like how do you grapple with separating identity with the events in your life and your worth? I think it takes time to work through kind of the depth of like a meta perspective, right? And so I'm honestly at the point right now, if you ask me how I'm doing, the fact that myself, my wife, and my kids are healthy, that's enough for me. Yeah. I think I probably would have said that 10 years ago too, but I wouldn't have meant it. I was still so driven by my insecurities that I would still have to be like attaining and consuming 
trophies, wins, money, fame, whatever, right? I don't think fame was ever really a focus. It just comes with the rest of the shit. And it's the most pretentious illusion on the planet anyway. So the goal is to help someone become number one. Now, not many people you'll ever meet will ever even do what's necessary to even get close to that. Obviously, Tiger Woods should always be number one. So that's not really not that much of an accomplishment. Like you should just not be bad at golf, right? But you know how how me and Rosie did it for, you know, 10 years that we worked. I saw him probably more often than I saw my family and vice versa. And everyone was on board and we grafted and we worked and we built and we built. There we were, number one in the world, FedEx champ, all these things that he had accomplished. And I remember just the emptiness of being number one in the world and him winning the FedEx Cup. And I remember I was doing a Golf Digest shoot with Cameron Champ the next day. And Cameron had just qualified for the PGA Tour. And he picked me up at the airport. And he was like, all right, you want to go party? And I was like, dude, I'm abjectly depressed right now. I, I feel, I, and he'd never seen me like that. And so that just means to me at that point, I started doing it for the wrong reasons for me, right? It's like people talk about tour players and how self-centered they are and just how they're just into themselves and nobody else. And I'm sure Navy SEAL snipers are the same way. So being that way is helpful in that world. It's not good to be self-centered if you're a social worker. The problem that we have is that, you know, these guys who are competitors and they're out for blood is... The tricky part is like, you know, the expectation of people is that they're nice guys. And it doesn't mean that they're not kind people and don't love their family. But I mean, the fact that they walked by you and didn't sign your autograph, if that upsets you, that's more a direct function of yourself and what you perceive should be true than what is actually true, right? I cannot go into the Bank of America and ask Brian Moynihan to take a selfie with me. It just doesn't happen, <laughs> right? I can't go to the Supreme Court and be like, yo, Chief Justice Roberts, how about a quick you can't do that. So look, of course, the people who get lifted up in, in that are the ones who do sign. And look, if you sign because you just enjoy the, the, the thing, then great. If you're signing just to make your brand look better, I mean, that's just useless, right? There's, there's no energy in that. So I think really, you know, I'm at a point now in my career where up until now, I put all these players ahead of myself and ahead of my family. And I needed to do that. I really did. But now I'm ready to put myself ahead of everybody in my career and, and do the things that I'm interested in doing. Yes, that still will involve coaching tour players, but it's just in a more streamlined way. I mean, I've read too many books at this point and kind of my last two years, my hobby has been reading about neuroscience. So when you really start looking at how we learn and what a slow burn it is from the time that a child learns the alphabet till the time they can write a good paragraph is a lot of time. Okay. And we pick those skills up almost faster than we do changing movement. So like I said, to go on the road, I have to understand that if something about me wants to be on the road all the time and be out there with my guys, then one, I'm running from the truth that's been unveiled to myself or two, I just want to be seen and I don't want to be seen. I don't, it's okay if you're seen, but the point is, is like, I'm sure at one point in my ego and my insecurity, standing there on the range at the Masters was almost cooler in a vain sense than it was in a professional sense. You talk about family. You th find it easier coaching players that have a strong family unit structure versus players that don't? This happened about two months ago. 
And someone said, how are you doing? And I said, yeah, I'm well. And then someone goes, oh, he's always well. Hmm. And I said, uh, I said, I'm sorry if my uh, angels have uh, antagonized your demons. And I stole that. That's from Denzel Washington, by the way. I stole that. He's a buddy of mine. And uh, he goes, Sean's had a great career. He's got a great wife. He's got great kids. And, you know, that's why he's always in a good mood. And I said, well, those things are true on my worst day. So the thing is, I don't think it matters what's outside of you, because I think what's outside of you is a direct reflection of what's inside of you anyways. And we are just Steven Spielberg the whole time with that movie camera just generating our experience. All right, guys, the train's going to make a quick stop. Please stay in your seat. Keep those seatbelts fashioned, and then we'll get you right back on track, I promise. So I just polled a lot of you guys on Instagram this week, and I asked, hey, what's a bigger issue for you with golf? Is it muscle soreness and pain? Or is it chafage below the equator? And 80% of you said muscle soreness. Well, I got good news for you. Our friends at Orzen Alps just dropped their muscle recovery bomb. And it's this beautiful little compact roll-on that's kind of like old school Icy Hot, but it's cleaner, okay? It's none of those harsh chemicals. All you got to do is roll it on your neck, shoulders, back, quads, biceps, anywhere you feel sore or tight. And you'll get an instant relief of cooling sensation followed by warmth. It's clear, it's non-greasy, it's non-sticky, and it's scented with a calming combination of lavender and sage. Are you kidding me? I feel like I'm in a spa right now. So go to oarsandalps.com, enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 15% off, and a little pro tip, okay? Most of these codes are first-time usage, so if you're going to go into Oars and Alps and get yourself some muscle recovery bomb, you might as well get yourself a aluminum-free deodorant. My favorite is the Bergamot Grove, scent. I also love the Mandarin Woods if you have sensitive skin, but they've got every kind of flavor there, any type of scent you like. Best deodorant in the market, none of the harsh chemicals, no aluminum. But they also got a million other things. They've got skincare, body care, hair care. I love the thickening spray. I wore it during my wedding, actually. So amazing stuff on oarsandalps.com. Enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 15% off. All right, let's get this train back on the tracks. Sean, Rosie gets the number one in the world, wins the FedEx Cup. What do you attribute your depression to at that time? What have you learned since then? Well, it was just kind of like, like, well, what's next? Like, Got it. So remember, when Stephen Ames won, my guys have won just over 40 times on tour. And when Stephen Ames won the first one, I went on a two-week bender. That was the greatest time, day of my whole life, Right. It's probably the only things that were bigger than that in my whole life are my wedding and the birth of my kids. But then it just gets less and less and less. And then you need more and more and more, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of what happens. And then you realize, like, I'm doing this based on how I'm perceived rather than me having no interest in how I'm perceived, recognizing that my life is going to be a function of my perception. So all of a sudden you go inward, you focus on yourself. You have love for everyone outside of you. You always show kindness and compassion to everyone, but you're not bothered if people like you or not. Like you can't live like that. You know, it's like there's probably going to be all of us. It sounds morbid, but it's not really morbid. You know, at our funerals, there's probably going to be five people that are going to be affected every day for the rest of their life that we're no longer here. Right. A lot of people are going to be really, really sad and shocked for two or three days. And then, you know, don't spend your whole life trying to please everybody because at the end of the day, there's probably going to be four or five people who'll be there for you to thick or thin. So rather than focusing on everybody, just focus on those four or five people. 
but then treat everyone else like gold. Cause why wouldn't you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Sean, switching gears, and you, you just mentioned the pro sender. We got to talk a, a little bit about the pro sender. Some might say the hottest <laughs> swing training aid out there right now. Like you said, it's just all over social media and the airwaves, and we've been working with it and, and love it. So I want we want to hear about the inspiration, the aha moment you and David had. But I got to read the quote first that you mentioned, um, and it's a Ben Hogan quote. And so we'll get into this. You said, you know, you're like Hogan said, I wish I was born with three right hands so I could pour the power into the golf club on the way down. Talk about pro sender inspiration. Talk about that and all things. Well, no, I'm, I'm like, a, obviously just like so many uh, guys and me being almost 50, I, I would still have been growing up where Ben Hogan was like a huge name. Maybe like to whoever is me 30 years from now, it might be what Tiger and Rory said. Sure. But when I'm getting into golf, I've only read an article about this 12-year-old kid named Tiger who's beating 18-year-old kids, right? So I literally have been reading about him since I was 12 years old. And so golf instruction is confusing, right? And I'm responsible for part of that. Everyone is. And it's not rocket science, but it's definitely science. And I think that when we talk about, you know, Jack Nicholas and Annika Sorenstam and Tiger Woods, we always talk about what great hands they have. And so much of instruction is about what we're doing to the ground and how to get our body to create power and these things. But as we've seen, Tiger Woods has almost had to get his right leg amputated. He can hardly walk and he can still hit a golf ball just like Tiger Woods can always hit a golf ball. It's because he didn't have his arm broken. He had his leg broken. Okay. The grip is the most important part of the whole system because... That's your relationship with the golf club. And then the left hand is going to be creating certain forces and the right hand is going to be creating certain forces, right? Before you see the club move, it moved because of a force, because force precedes motion, right? Newton and Einstein are pretty accurate, right? They're correct. So a guy said to me the other day, he goes, do you believe in evolution? I go, uh, no, I don't believe in evolution. He goes, I figured you don't. I go, I trusted evolution is the math of the universe. It's not a belief, right? My 11-year-old believes in Santa. Doesn't mean Santa's true, right? So it's like, <laughs> there's a difference here. I think it's really, really important as you get older to really look at the things you believe in and really start to challenge them. Because I think a very clear mind that's able to have an abundant experience and learn as much from the world as possible is almost has no belief systems. So anyways, you know, what does 90% of every amateur golfer do at impact is their club face closed or open it's open right it's it's a slice tour players are the only ones who freak out when they're hitting too much of a draw right right okay never so when you it. listen <laughs> exactly <laughs> so when you right there yeah. their traumas from too much draw and so a lot of that's due because it impact the club face is open to the pack the left hand as it works in the swing the left hand creates a down force and it creates uh an out force Okay, the right hand creates a force that's away from the ground and towards the target. Okay, so in the golfing machine, they had kind of swingers and they had hitters. Okay, I've always believed that there's a swinger and a hitter, there's the potential. What do we say about Hogan and Trevino and all those guys? They're the best ball strikers. So that's, I think, when you, and this is not scientific, this is just like, this is just more philosophy, right? So you have swingers and hitters, 
it's not very scientific, but I think a lot of people would probably who coach would go, yeah, I've seen that. I get that. Right. I mean, Ben on and Michael Kim are right-handed golfers or left-handed people. So I never really do anything with them to inspire their left arm. It's make sure that their right arm knows what to do as well. So that's why I'm at the point where I'm focused on what each player's hand and what each player's arm is doing. I'm not really concerned about shifting weight. We're human beings. We are bipedlers. We walk. It's natural for us to shift weight from our right to our left foot. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what they're selling. I don't care what their method is. I don't care what their brand is. If they're telling me that the most important thing is not the part of the body that's holding onto the golf club, then you're just not making sense. Evan, this is what I was taught growing up. And Sean, hands and arms are the most important, but there's this great debate that you know all about and you've taught it all. Hands and arms teachers versus big muscle ground force teachers. And it's, this is awesome conversation. I mean, you've seen think, it all, think, you know it all, but it's, it's look, fascinating. And I'm not saying that it's all not important. Right. But at the end of the day, like when you look at the rates of closure on the PGA tour, you know, they're anywhere from 2,500 degrees of rotation of the club face to 5,000 degrees. So everyone's rotating it just at different points. Yes. Some of the physics and kinematics of deceleration and these things that are happening in the body. Yeah, of course, that's that's helping with it. But if you told me, you know, Sean, just throw a ball five feet, I'm going to go like that. And then you're going to say, okay, now throw the ball 15 feet. I'm going to go like that. Now throw it all the way across the room. I'm going to go and do this and then go like that. But everything that I'm doing with my body is relation to my intention of throwing the ball as far as I can see. Yeah. So what happens is we start to incorporate and use more of the body, the contract, the contraction of muscles, the elastic principles of the body, the aspects of acceleration, deceleration, as soon as the lower body decelerates, the upper body accelerates, as soon as the upper body decelerates, the hands accelerate. That's just physics. That's what we are, right? So I don't think it would matter if Mike Tyson was on a seat sitting down next to me. I wouldn't want him to punch me even if he couldn't use his body. Right. So I'm not saying, I'm not saying that everything is not important, right? Everything is important. But if the Bugatti you have doesn't have gas, then don't take the transmission out trying to figure why it won't start. Check if it's on empty. There's a quote. And so when I have <laughs> lessons with amateurs, I spend so much time working with their grip and their understanding of what this is doing. And that's when you, within seven minutes, you get the wow. You know, I was trying to turn my body as much as I could. It's like, okay, that's important too, but you got to learn this first. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from a new sponsor, and then we'll get you right back to the show. So we worked with these guys over a year ago. I'm bringing them back for you guys because they're my favorite way to stay hydrated. Now, a lot of people here, yeah, stay hydrated, stay hydrated. I think the key is why do you want to be hydrated? There's a ton of health benefits, but a lot of you might drink alcohol, and when you wake up and you hadn't been hydrating, you're going to feel hungover. And when you feel hungover on the golf course or not, it's just I'm 35 years old now, okay? The last thing I want to feel is feeling hungover. So... I actually reached out to these guys for you. They didn't reach out to us at first, okay? I scoured the internet trying to find a clean uh, hydration multiplier and I just couldn't find it. I, I looked at like 10 options and all the ingredients were bad. You couldn't pronounce pretty much anything on the label. 
and it was super sugary and just didn't taste good. So I finally found Cure Hydration Packets, okay? My favorite flavor is lemon. It's not sugary, there's no sugar, um, and it's super subtle, but it still tastes good. So I found Cure Hydration. I drink one in the morning, every morning, and on my bachelor party, and again, I don't drink that often, but on my bachelor party, I had one in the morning and one before bed, and I woke up feeling great every morning. So go to curehydration.com, enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 20% off, and get yourself some easy hydration. It's a simple pack. Put it in your water bottle. Go on the go. And uh, you're going to get so much better ingredients and taste than all the other options that have terrible ingredients and are too sugary. So curehydration.com. Enter the code TRAIN. 20% off. Stay hydrated. And now uh, let's get back to the show. Serms the scrack college player. I'm the eight handicap that everybody can relate to. And me, I've tried every single feel thought that you can think. I've done all of it. And I think the interesting thing about the hands is for someone that doesn't really have good spatial awareness of the club face, for someone that can hit a huge hook and a huge block at any second glance, the average golfer, right? 10 handicap, let's say. I think... This is the hardest thing for us to figure out because I'm a golfer, Sean. You've seen my swing on Instagram. I'm a golfer that I played baseball. So I stand up out of my posture. I roll it in. I am across the line. My wrist doesn't naturally do what the pro sender trains. And I stand up. Well, you lose tilt. Yeah. And, that's, and I lose that's tilt. Standing up. Okay. Right, and that's part of standing up. Yeah, yeah. Back, roll, yeah. So for me. I think about, I'm trying to stay in my posture. I'm trying to have tilt, which will help it not roll in. I go a little bit across line, whatever. But then I think for me and my type of golfer, prioritization is a very tough thing to figure out. Because what for me, if I'm going to work on one thing, is it my wrist angle? Because what we're talking about is like, for me to feel this, when I'm normally this, it feels like I literally flip I have to manually flip and it feels like I'm flipping it so open that for someone that struggled with an open and closed face, I feel like, what? how can I do that? How can that feel confident? So in your mind, obviously it's very hard to, you've seen my swing like once, but just generally, how does the average player prioritize the thing that's going to help their game the most of all those things I talked about wrist angle, posture, yeah. Standing well, up, the, cross the line. Coach him up, coach. Well, the thing is, when we talked about like cause and effect, right? So why do so many people who talk about trying to stay in their posture, right? Which is really unnecessary, to be honest with you. So, you know, we've, we've watched TV too long and Peter Costa said, stay in your spine angle. It's like not possible. The spine, you any idea how much the spine is moving in a golf swing, right? I get the visual of what he's saying, you know, stay in your spine angle, but... In your case, you know, you take the club in. So I don't mind to cross the line. Uh, there's been plenty of great players who have crossed the line. There's not been anyone who had a short backswing or across the line who were any good. But longer backswings across the line, that's fine, right? Yeah. But you roll it open. And then what happens is because the face is so open, the thing is if you have the pro sender on and you're working it, the correct way, yeah, you feel like you're using a lot of torque in your hand, but it'd be the opposite of opening the face, 
Okay. Got it. The okay. open is like when you're off it. Okay. Yeah. So now you've also played baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Baseball is much more this sport than this sport. That's pitching and throwing is this side. Right. But the batters are all open, massive rotation, massive pull force, right? Yep. I mean, all the long hitters in baseball pull it. They don't push it. Although I was a great right field hitter. Well, that means you didn't hit many bombs, right? So no, I was a doubles guy. Tony Gwynn, John Olerud, you know, the guys who have been moving around the park. Yeah. So the idea is that the golf swing is much more like pitching than it is like batting. You know, you've got torque, you've got turn, you've got load, you've got unweighting, like massive unweighting, right? Mm -hmm. That's the exact position that the pitcher's in as a golf player. That's the pro center position, right? Mm -hmm. So... When you do what you do, and, and I, I guarantee you when you try and feel like you stay in your tilts and your spine angles, you hit it really bad, okay? Like, it wouldn't be good at all, okay? But because because you don't know, you're like, yeah, and then, you know, your co-host says, oh, do this, and you're like, oh, it makes sense. So your question's amazing. The prioritization is a very good thing, but you get over here, it comes in, it gets across because it's kind of doing this, it starts to move in front of you. And you're better now than you used to be. You used to be way over the top, right? You're at least now working to get, like I told you, I like the shape of the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. But you still can see how much that you have to extend and stall to square the face. Mm-hmm. So when, when you feel like you're coming up, that's just your talent trying to help you get the face square. That's not the problem. You will not mm-hmm. have that problem. If, you're, if your club face was... You look at DJ and Victor Hovland, they're the opposite of you, and they look the most this way in the ball. Yeah. So, but remember, when we look at all the shallowing stuff and all that stuff's important, but, you know, look, you played high-level baseball. Out of a 1,000 pitchers and high-level pitching, how many throw sidearm? How many? Not Five? Many. Yeah. Well, Joaquin Neiman is a sidearm pitcher. Mito Prayer is a sidearm pitcher. Dustin Johnson is a sidearm pitcher. Cameron Champ's a sidearm pitcher. Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson, they're not even in the, they're not even close to swinging like that. So yeah. I think if a kid comes to you like that and he does that, if he hits it good and he's not hurt, then you don't change that. Look, do you start it online? Do you control the distance you hit it? And can you control the ball flight? If you can do all that, I don't really care how it looks because that's the name of the game right there. That's called strokes gained, right? Yeah. So I'm working with my players on whatever is going to help them gain the most strokes. So it's not, it's not about swinging like Adam Scott. It's not about this vain aspect of it looking perfect. It's just the geometry that you're swinging a flat object that's moving at high speeds and it's hitting a round object. So the name of the game is that the ball will start offline and spin more offline. Right. It, it's just, it's, it's such a big ass. So the first thing you got to do is get with, is really get to where, you're able to, as you take it back nice and wide, is to get it on the cradle. So then from there, and, and I think you can see in the video that you put, is that when it went over there, because you're attempting to try to get it back on there, you could see how much more that that club shallowed for you rather than coming straight over the top and then you got to go like this. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, look, it matches the physics of the mass of the club staying behind the hands. And then knowing how much we need to square the club face to hit it straight, it's just helping us get it to where we don't have to do as much, but we still have to do a bunch. 
Right. Yeah. So I guess the answer is obviously the face and the wrist angles can oh, help totally out do. all of the other stuff versus the other way around is kind of how I've always thought about it. Exactly. Yep. Well, yep. 100%. There's no, there's no doubt. Like what'll happen is you, you know, when I used to do junior clinics, right. And we had like nine to 10 year olds. And then we, we would have a kid who, you know, he plays four sports and he picks it up and we show him how to grip it. And an hour later, we're all like amazingly jealous of him. And so, you know, we showed him how to grip it and then kind of what he wanted to do with his hands because he was a great athlete. His body, once he created the intention to hit the ball out there, his body knew what to do. He's an athlete. Yeah. Right. He's an athlete. So who are the best historically? Who are the best ex sports stars to play golf? They're all Pit- pitchers. Pitchers. Mm. So once John again, Smalt. John Smoltz. Glavin's <laughs> good. Maddox is good. Clemens, yeah. And then, and then who just won the Pebble Beach Pro Am? Aaron Rodgers. Right. That, mm. It's all guys, Ross. it's all here. It's all here. It's like right here. It's not yeah. here. Not well, it's not here. It's, I mean, Sean, skipping a rock, right? Yeah. Well, skipping a yeah, skipping a rock is great, but I think for a lot of people based on their vertebrae and between the space in the vertebrae and then just the complex set of nerves that are in the spine, skipping a rock might be way too much side bend for someone and they'll they'll sure. have disc issues. I think look. The idea of, you know, when people say keep the butt on the wall and don't extend, the Hall of Fame is probably an 80% rate of extenders <laughs> and yeah. twisters. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, remember the pictures of, 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 uh, you know, Weisskopf and Watson and all those guys. And you could see their forearms touching. Yeah, Johnny Miller. Yeah. That's how they hit it straight. It's, it, that's, that's not why they hooked it. That's why they hit it straight. Yeah. Their miss was a hook, but there's more to it than that. So let's but tell you, people you where get, to find been, this thing. Because I think it's, it, <laughs> at least for me, I actually think my big takeaway before you tell them where to get it is it not only helps me train what it feels like when I'm square, because I don't know when I'm open. So like that. Of that's, course you don't. No, because that, that's, that's what you knew. Right. So that's valuable to me. But the other thing is on video, because I'll video myself, it's also valuable to see when I'm not in it. I'll see the space. Yeah, yeah totally. And, and I'll tell you what, you'll start to notice the more with that is when you're not in it, that's when you'll realize you have the most dispersion. Look, the fact that it's super uncomfortable to you and you feel like, oh my God, I have to do all this. Guess what? You got to earn it, right? Like it, it's like you can't lose 30 pounds looking at a fucking treadmill. You know what I mean? Right. It's just, <laughs> it, it's repetition. So it feels foreign right. to me. It feels so manual right now because I've never done it. Well, and that, that would be kind of the phase of learning of being consciously incompetent. When you're incompetent, you have to work it. And, and that's not the fun part of learning, man. That's not yeah. the most enjoyable part, right? And, and, but I think that when you finally get it, all the self-esteem that's built from like solving the problem and dealing with the adversity and working through it, even when it felt impossible, feeling good about yourself comes from the difficulty you overcome. It doesn't come from not having any. Right. And that's where we're missing it. You know what I mean? Can you imagine the self-esteem of someone like Nelson Mandela? Look what he went through. Right. To come out on the other side, he must have felt like he's floating, right? You got to go yeah. through it. Yeah. You got to go. Bobby Womack, you got to go through it to get to it. All right, Sean, where can we find the Pro Center? Um, you can follow us on Instagram at David Woods PGA. Uh, I'm at Sean Foley Performance. Um, and on the internet at www.prosender. Sender is... P-R-O-S-E-N-D-R, there's no E, golf.com, prosendergolf.com. Uh, and the cool part, guys, is we've sent out like 
probably 17 to tour players now. Um, and so if you look on our website, website's quite cool is, you know, we've got eight, we could have 17 if we wanted eight to 10 um, of the players saying why they like it and how they use it. And so one, we've never seen a training aid with that kind of traction on tour. And, and two, um, we don't, we're not paying anyone. This is, they just want to get better and they put it on and there. It, it has so many uses for so many different types of people. So we're thrilled to have created like a great product, but really the product stems as a solution that's come from together. We have 45 years of coaching together in total. And this is what we think can benefit and help the most players from the best player in the world to someone who's a 30 handicap. Absolutely. As long as you've known me, as long as, as I've been in the game, I've never been part of a training aid because as many offers as I've had to do it, I just could never see myself turn on the golf channel and see myself next to something that I knew was just designed to make money and not help people. Look, are we, it had, it had to work. be right. And you, there's a ton of work that goes into yeah. this. Dave has done an unbelievable job. Dave, Dave is kind of the, he's the brain of the whole operation. And from, from manufacturing to distribution to like, it's really quite crazy. So you're going to get people who are going to scoff sometimes at the price. And I think if they knew the time that went into it, and then the fact that you work with this thing for a month and you'll save a thousand dollars in golf balls for the year, this is the best investment you can make in hitting it straight. I like that. Love it. I like well, that. Well, Sean, as always, pleasure having you. Pleasure to talk with you. Yeah. And this is the best. Um, you too, guys. Thank you so much, man. You know, golf is changing. And I think that, you know, this is good for the game of golf because golf is full of human beings and, you know, the human element's really quite uh, important. Love it. Absolutely. Jealous, All right. Thanks so much. By this point, <laughs> I'm going to keep this on. I'm going to keep this in the recording. By this point, when this episode comes out, Matt Cermak will be an engaged man. So we'll see. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Evan. Real quick before you hop off the train, I got something for you. It's called The Train of Thought. It's our new email newsletter. Would you like to get one nugget, insight, or thought that we're pondering every week that could help keep you sharp and help your mental game? Go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to The Train of Thought newsletter today. It's really the best way to enjoy the ride. See you guys.